Tonight is a night. Amen. Everything has brought you to this moment. You can be seated. And I believe that God is going to do something extraordinary. Not ordinary, extraordinary. You know, we can do ordinary things, but we do need help to do extraordinary things. You know, there is a reason that God says that all things are possible. It simply means that He is unlimited, and the only thing that can constrain God is a limited mind. Because if you can think in your heart, you can become it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God is able to do above and beyond all you ask or think. And I'm telling you, I believe tonight that if you believe that God is a mountain mover, if you believe that God is a storm calmer, if you believe that God is a healer, a repairer, one that will break you out and bring you up, one that can rob a grave from its plan and purpose, that no matter what it is, that there's nothing that God will not do. Remember, there's nothing impossible to you if you believe, and there's certainly nothing impossible to God. So let's believe God tonight is the night of the beginning of the greatest future that we have ever had, that we have ever experienced, and before the sun rises, He will have been working for us and turning our morning into a place of celebration. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm looking for joy in the morning. Come on, I'm not looking for sorrow. I'm not looking for a repeat of what I had when the sun went down. I'm looking for God to have produced something for me because he's had all night, he hasn't slumbered, but he's been working out his plans and purposes for my life. I want to see the expectancy and the joy of what God has in store for my tomorrow. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. So... We are going to see something transition in our life. Of course, we've declared this the week of Pentecost. And if you have any soundness of mind, you know that Wednesday is not a week. It's only four days, but that's long enough to get done what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? And I believe that God is going to do something. I don't know what it is. I just know he's going to do something. I don't know how. He doesn't have to explain it. I'm not interested in who he uses. I'm not interested in what he has to move. I'm not interested in what he has to raise up or bring down. I'm not interested who owns the donkey as long as when I say I need it, the donkey is loose. I'm not worried about anything else. All I know is that God is on my side. He's my provider, and his plans and purposes have already been written predestined, declared, and purposed for me, and I'm going to walk in them. Come on, hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. Somebody said, when I went to come to Boxing, they said, well, you can't do that. I said, well, that's why we're not going to be friends. And then another friend of mine said, well, Peter, you got 200 people. I said, well, I don't want 200 people. I want to preach to everybody in this city. He said, well, that's not going to happen. He's not my friend. Why? Because they were already telling me what God could not do. Dare to believe God. Tonight, tonight, dare to believe God. Come on. Dare to believe God tonight. Right now, this night, June the 4th of 2018, is like no other night. It will never be repeated. It will never be repeated. You've made it here. 
And God has something in store for us. So let's let God begin to write our book of Acts. Amen? I want my book of Acts to be bigger than anybody else's book. I want it to be filled with things that when I get there, maybe Isaiah will come back and say, Hey, could I read of your exploits that God hath done for you? Come on in and have a cup of coffee. He might say, well, coffee's not my thing, but do you have a little tea? I say, of course we have tea. Hallelujah. And then when he comes up, he'll probably hear the noise of the party going out back of the hundreds of thousands of people that we as a church have won to Jesus Christ. And he'll say, maybe I won't read. Maybe I'll just go out and hear it live. I want to have the now news. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Hallelujah. So tonight is the night that we're going to just begin to write a new book of Acts for our life. Don't worry about your failures. Everybody's had them. Don't worry about how many times you fell down. Everybody's got scabs and scars. Don't worry about how many times you have come short. Doesn't matter. You just know now how much further you got to project yourself the next time. Amen. Don't worry about what everybody else said about you. You know, there's a guy who told Phyllis and I, you won't last six months, I'll bet you $50. We've looked for that guy and looked for that guy, and finally we found out he was dead and he owes us $50. Don't tell me it can't be done. God is on our side. Amen? Praise God. Well, without any further ado, I want to in introduce you to a friend of mine, and since he's a friend of mine, he's a friend of our house and a friend of our church, and he's going to preach a word that is going to help you. And what you hear, you can incorporate. What you hear, you can believe. What you hear, you can build on. What you hear, you can allow to be engrafted into your spirit. Because behind what he's going to say is not gain, is not some place for promotion. It is being said out of a heart of friendship that has been formed between him and I, his church, and our church. And so tonight, I want you to stand to your feet and let's give you a good round of applause to Dr. Jeffrey Williams as he comes to preach. There you go, Doctor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your encouragement. I appreciate that, your encouragement. Before you sit down and while you're standing, it's only, it's only right to... Um, make sure that we honor um, really where honor really belongs. And um, if you don't know it yet, you need to know it, that you have um, the finest pastors um, on this side of heaven. I mean, I mean that. Fantastic. Um, they can love you and rebuke you and make you laugh all at the same time. And are honorable and have had an opportunity to travel and see Dr. Dosik in the house and outside the house. And he's the same. He is the same. <laughs> and so thank you for your encouragement. And finally, but not last, of course, is my wife, Leilani. She hasn't been here before, although I've been here a number of times. Why don't you wave at everybody, honey? And, and um, she's the real deal. And my mother picked her out, and mom did good. Amen? <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this privilege you've given us tonight uh, to look into your truth and to your word. Our only desire is that you would reveal your will for our lives tonight. 
and that not one man, woman, boy, or girl would leave here the same way in which they've come in, that indeed we'd have an experience with the Holy Ghost uh, unlike any other time in our life. That's a lot to ask, Father, but I know you're able, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I have a, um, I have a little timer here that just makes me feel good about what I do. Um, I won't look at it again, but it's up here. And so we can at least have that uh, to work with tonight. But again, thank you for having me, Dr. Dosick. Really, truly, I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. My wife and I drove in last night, or really this morning, got here about 4.30 uh, in the morning. And then um, about two hours later, I do what is called a morning decree. And uh, some of you, oh, <laughs> hey, brother, good to see you. <laughs> Uh, a morning decree at 6.30 in the morning, every single morning for the last 520 mornings. I bring that up because there's something about when you get hungry enough, you realize that sleep becomes an interruption to you and I getting a hold of God. Are you hearing me, right? And so on Periscope, Facebook, and even a free conference call every morning, Sundays, holidays uh, included, we're up every morning. So I'm operating on a couple hours of sleep tonight, so um, no telling what might happen, amen? Just so you know in advance, praise the Lord. Uh, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 19. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take my time, but we won't be long, amen? And um, I think my, my assignment tonight is to uh, be a forerunner of the rest of the week in that um, there's certain things I think we should remind ourselves about. And as we look into this, um, this church, of course, is excellently trained in, in all things of the spirit. Um, however, I want to um, perhaps put us in remind the remembrance of certain things. Acts chapter 19, please, in verse 1, we'll be reading from verses 1 through 7. Here we go. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Everyone say disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost came on them, and they began speaking in other tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Now, this particular uh, portion of Scripture um, uh, should be familiar to us. And it's often asked, what did you receive when you believed? And I think that's a fair question here. But my assignment is to discuss the difference between what you received and who you've received. You see, in the Lord's church, sadly enough, we are so consumed with the what aspect that we forget that attached to that what is a who. And that who is the one that's been missing from many of our lives, and God knows many of our churches. Can somebody say amen to that? 
A person can get something from someone and miss the most important part of the gift, which is the giver. Now, again, you may have heard these things before, but I encourage you to lean in just a little bit because I believe, as Dr. Dosik alluded to, that tonight can be a turning point for every one of us, including yours truly, because of something we're about to experience or hear. Now, if all you want is the what that he has to offer and not the essence of who he is, you are destined to be disappointed. That's like many people who are kind of addicted to quick fixes, spiritual happy meals, right? Spiritual junk food. We come to church, not this church, of course, but we do come to church, and we come to church so that we can get something, and then we go back really just to kind of do more of what we've been doing and maybe feel a little better about what we're doing. But if we're actually going to embrace Pentecost, something has got to change. Amen? Tell, tell somebody something's about to change. And so there are churches that are Pentecostal by name and doctrine, but miss the person of the Holy Spirit. There are people, which is actually what the church is supposed to be, made up of, who are in fact filled with the Holy Ghost, but are severely lacking in self-control, for instance. Now I'm reading this because I'm doing my best to do as I was trained to do, at least get some of this on tape, because what's, where we're going to go, um, I don't think has been written quite yet, so I hope you're ready. And so some are lacking self-control. The very little person, they have very little personal spiritual victory. They're joyless, powerless, spiritually impotent, aimless, and purposeless. Now, these are good people, likable people, pretty clean living people. But they even serve in ministry. They tithe. They give to missions. They fulfill many of the duties that are required of a spirit-filled Christian to perform. But if you lack, excuse me, if you look into their world behind their acts and look into the condition of their soul, you will find a void that is shaped just like God, God the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us in this room, perhaps, are, we consider ourselves either Pentecostals or charismatic or full gospel people. Would you wave at me if that fits you, right? Most of us would, would, would conclude that. But sadly, when we look into this a little deeper, we have to ask ourselves, maybe I should return my Pentecostal card. Because, because just coming to a church that's Pentecostal does not make you a person of the Spirit. Just because you and I can read the book of Acts doesn't make us full gospel. There's something more involved in here. So stay with me. Now, in this world we're living in, you and I would have to conclude that it's a mess. Got five people. How many would conclude that this, 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 what's going on here is craziness? Doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on because it, both sides are crazy. The world's upside down, right? If you're paying attention, you'd agree with that. Heartache and pain in every pew on every row. Christians and non-Christians alike, sadly, there's not much difference. 
We're going to the same doctors, the same lawyers, the same grave sites, the same divorce courts. We're, we're in the same place as everybody else. The only thing we might do differently is we come to church on Sunday. That's a little hard, but it's Monday, right? So, so you're, the, you're the brave crew. It's beyond just living an austere life, a life of cleanliness or cleanliness. See, see those, things are, those things are important, but that's not the goal. The Holy Ghost didn't come just to clean your life up. Because if that was the case, you don't need the Holy Ghost to do that. Some good home training can keep you living right. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm waving at my mother and father right now, right? Some good home training, some good values that keep you out of a lot of mess. But I know some Muslims that, that live holier lives than, than, than most of us. I know some Buddhists that live holier lives and some Hindus that live holier lives than, than we do. Right? So, so, so that can't be the goal or the object of the Holy Ghost in and of it by himself. So let's go a little bit further. So, so a good Buddhist, a Hindu, and Muslim, as I just said, if they're practicing their doctrine, will live a holy life, quote, unquote. Now, you and I, we talk much about the Holy Spirit. We do. And if you speak King James English, you say Holy Ghost. Everyone say Holy Ghost. See, the, whole, the Holy Ghost, right? There's something on that when you say Holy Ghost, right? And this is very evident in the Pentecostal charismatic world. And, and we love talking about the Holy Ghost. And most of the time we drop holy off of that and just talk about the spirit. And many people do that. Why do they do that? Because, because it doesn't matter any longer that it's the Holy Spirit. People start talking about, you know, i got to follow my spirit. Well, your spirit might still be corrupt. Right? Come on now, we're going, we're going somewhere. I'm just, I'm just trying to help us. And because, because as we get there, we got to realize that every one of us are going to have to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper, and realize that we may be suffering from a spiritual eating disorder. And so, so, so we, gotta, we, have, we have to hear some of this. Now, now, as we're talking about the Holy Ghost, that's good, that's right, that's proper. But the issue is we've settled for some manifestations at the expense of having the person. We settle for... Men like Dr. Dosick and others who will, who will most certainly demonstrate the Holy Ghost and the power um, on a regular basis. And we'll settle for that, but it's, it's what they're doing, not what we're doing. And so we come to get our spiritual fix and we come to get help and we treat God and the Word of God and the Spirit of God like a 911 call. And then what, when, yet when we go home, there's still leanness of soul. There's still a quiet ache. There's still a many, many unanswered issues. One of the greatest, greatest scandals in the church today is that of unanswered prayer. 
There's this thing that goes on in the body of Christ that we think somehow that if we come into a building that is, that is as led by a spirit-filled couple such as this, that we ourselves are going to be people of the spirit. It doesn't work that way, family, no matter how long you and I have been in the, in the church or in the body of Christ. Now, the third member of the Godhead, the co-equal with the Father and the Son, is actually God on earth now. I know that sounds a little strange, but, but, but the Father's not here. The Son is seated at the right hand of the Father. That just leaves the other guy. And the other guy got sent here. So the other guy, the Holy Ghost, is the one on the earth right now. But he is not a gift Stay with me, please. Not, he's not just something that walks around like a spiritual Santa Claus. He's not someone that kind of just doles out this and gives that and gives us a, a, goose, a goose bump here and there. Do you know, Pastor Dosing, I'm sure you do, but, but do you know that, that, that goose bumps has more to do with adrenaline than the Holy Ghost? Now, don't, don't be upset with me. Don't be upset. I am saved, and I, I think I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but you know, i got to ask myself that every now and again. Um, but, but, but have you ever heard somebody sing that wasn't in the church? And they sang a song, and it's, you, you walked away saying they have to be anointed. And they were singing something secular. Now, don't look at me like you all never heard any secular music in my... Come on, people. Come on. Come on. You were at that concert last week. Stop playing. You saw someone do some athletic conquest and you just knew that and, and, and the hair stood up all over your body. Are we saying that was the Holy Ghost? No, I'm telling you that was adrenaline. So the Holy Ghost doesn't come just to give us a feeling or to give us some experience. He is a person. Now I'm not minimizing the gifts of the Spirit as will be manifested here earlier later. I'm not talking about that these things aren't important and necessary. But boy, we can run after some of the show and miss the substance. Boy, we can, we can covet the, sub, the, 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 the show and the sizzle and never get the real stuff. It's like kids who want the icing, but they don't want the cake. Right? Now, the Bible says this. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says this. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? So let's think about this for a moment. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's going to be freedom. There's going to be deliverance. But this verse can also be translated like this. Where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So you and I just having an experience with the Holy Ghost and coming into a service where, where we're experiencing the, the power of God doesn't mean that the, the Spirit of God is Lord in your life. He's just Lord in that situation, in that moment, at that time. But he's come that he could be the Lord in our everyday, every moment life. So we have to ask the question, and we'll answer a little later, is, is the Spirit of God Lord in your life? Is, 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 are we actually controlled by, hemmed in by, 
sealed by, living by, the dictates of God on earth, which is the Holy Ghost in your life and in my life. We've got to ask ourselves that question. Being Lord in our life means that he's going to be Lord, Master, Ruler. He's going to be umpire. He's not some disposable date, some spiritual errand boy that we can kind of send on this and send on that so we can feel better and still live a very broken and despondent existence on the planet. I don't know if I got the right people today, but I'm sure you've got a neighbor or two that fits into this category. And because of that, we don't have Pentecostal experiences. Because of this lack of lordship in our life, we don't have the freedom that we should. We don't have the intimacy that, that, that the Holy Ghost is supposed to give to us and bring to us and enable us to have. Why? Because he's not Lord. Now, one of the things we've got to look at, though, is what is the cause that stops us from having the Spirit of God be Lord of all? What, what, what is it? I want to give you five things, maybe a sixth thing, that, that we've got to look at differently if you and I are going to start acting as if and living as if the Holy Ghost is Lord. All right? Now, now, now if I was a drinking man, I'd take a drink right now because, because it's going to take a little courage for me to say what needs to be said here. But as I've been praying and asking God for help for this, for this time um, with my family here, as I've been seeking God and asking God, as I've fasted and begged God, right, um, this comes to me. So, so I wish there was a different message I could, I could speak. I really wish there was one. I even tried to go online. Maybe you can kind of download a message. Download a happy message that will make people want you to come back again, right? What's the best message to preach so you get the best offering? I hope they need, someone needs to design a website for that. Just start working on that. There's some money in that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but unless we hear these things I'm about to say, there will remain a veil over your eyes. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are in the church strata of rank. From the pulpit to the parking lot and everybody in between, if we ignore what I'm about to say, we do so at our own peril. I'm just telling you, and you'll see it here. I'm just, it's just going to be straight scripture, so um, we won't be able to argue with Jeff too much about it. Are you ready? <laughs> Number one is, if we ask the question, rather than what did you receive when you believed, and start asking who did you receive when you believed? We start to move closer to this issue. Who did you receive? So if we actually receive the person of the Holy Ghost, then we must treat him as a person. I said the other morning on a morning decree, I said if, 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 if we would begin to look at the Holy Ghost as if it were Jesus physically sitting next to us, how would you treat him? What would you say? What, would, what not would you say? 
You understand what I just said, right? I don't know what I just said, but it, it felt right. We'll go with that. We would do things differently. We don't want the stuff. We want him. Number one, you and I have to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. We just flat out have to do that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What does grieving mean? Grieving means to really bring injury to. It means to, to really vex somebody. Have you ever been grieved by something somebody's done? Have you ever been grieved by a loss of some sort? And so the word tells us, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. If he is going to be Lord in your life and you really want to begin to walk with God as dictated in this scripture, you and I are going to have to stop grieving the Holy Ghost. There are places we go that we should not go. Things we watch that we should not watch. Things we meditate on we should not meditate on. Relationships that we should not have in our life that we have in our life. Now I'm not talking to everybody, but I am talking to somebody here. If you want more of, a, of, more of the Lord, if you want to walk deeper with him, you're going to have to decide it's either going to be him or them. You can't have both, daughter, son. You can't have both. You got to decide that if I'm going to follow the Lord, if I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost, which is going to lead me always to Jesus, then I'm going to have to stop grieving the Holy Ghost. Say this with me. I have to stop grieving him. Come on. And if you're wondering if you ever grieved him, I would simply ask him the question. I would say, Holy Spirit, have I grieved you? Am I grieving you with this? Let me, let me bring that back, though. If you really want the answer, be careful because he will give it to you. And he may say something to you that he would not say to me. Why? Because I've got to live my consecration. You've got to live your consecration. Right? There are certain things that other people can get away with that I cannot even, I cannot even get away with. There are things, Dr. Dosick, that the Holy Ghost will bring back to my remembrance 15 years ago and say, I just wanted to talk to you about that issue because, because you fail to understand how the snake got into the garden in your life there. So I'm going to show you how you violated my voice in that moment. Come on, anybody want to be, be like that? Why? Because I can't, be, I can't be ignorant all my life. I say it like this. I will not be ignorant all my life. So Holy Ghost, I need you to show me how I got where I am today, good, bad, or indifferent. And if I've grieved you, I need to know about it. And I promise you, he's been gentle about it, but he does tell it like it is, right? Number two, everybody say number two. I said everybody say number two. Number <laughs> Quench not the Holy Spirit. Again, if we're talking about the lordship of the Holy Ghost in our lives, family, we have got to stop extinguishing what he wants to do. I know God is dealing with hearts in this room right now. I know it. I, I, know, I know it, no doubt about it. Not because of what I'm saying. You came in this room and the Holy Ghost is dealing with you about stuff. And you're trying to extinguish what he's trying to do in your life. He's dealing with people right now in such a profound way. And it's his mercy trying to do that. And you're so busy trying to put out what he's trying to do. If he's Lord, you let him be who he wants to be in your life. Come on, come on, say amen. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Holy Spirit. 
That happens most certainly in our services, but this is the thing I'm trying to get us away from just for a moment. Maybe it's because it's been so many years in, in pastoral ministry that I'm, I'm still trying to work it out in my own mind. But, but church is not a building. Jesus did not die for a building. He didn't die for a place for you to come to. He didn't die for us to have a job. He didn't die for you to have a ministry in the building. So when we're talking about quenching and grieving the Holy Ghost, we're not talking about just what happens in a church service. We're talking about when you're in your car, when you're in your home, when you're in your school, when you're on your job. He's talking about these other things, not this two hours that we're in a building together. What's that about? Most people can get themselves together enough to get through two-hour services. It's the other 194 hours in the week that, this, that the problem exists. <laughs> Come on, we're almost done. Just kidding. Number three. Everyone say number three. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, he says it like this, and I am reading the King James when I say this. I just love to see to hear that word ye. Ye, stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Again, because if he's Lord, he's just not a spiritual hitchhiker. He's not just in you and on us just so we can kind of feel good or do some ministry kind of deal. It's a relationship thing that, that, that Jesus died to restore. And the Holy Ghost is that one that's in that relationship on the earth. But we resist him. We, we, we push him back. We say yes, but not now. There are people that God has been dealing with you about stuff for years, and, and you'll come up to somebody like myself or another and say, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me about that for like, for, like, for like three years. You know what you just did? You bragged on your disobedience, number one, and two, you've been telling us for the last 24 months you have been resisting the Holy Ghost. How can that be healthy for us? How can that be beneficial to our lives? There are people in this room right now that God is dealing with you about your health. He's given you some very practical instruction. Matter of fact, your doctors have done the same thing. Others have talked to you about that. And you have resisted. And you have ignored. And then six months from now, if you're not careful, what happens is the thing that the Holy Ghost was trying to avoid now jumps up on you. And you wonder why and how it happened. Y'all not mad, right? We should have taken the offering first. That's what we should have done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? When the Holy Ghost is dealing with you to get up and to pray a little bit more, and you're sitting there saying, no, I'm going to hit the snooze button. Are you kidding me? In the day and time in which we live, you need to have the Holy Ghost to tell you when to sleep, not when to get up, because we need to be praying all the time we can. But we resist the Holy Ghost. We resist the counsel of God. We resist him. Many years ago, and I tell this story often, but you haven't heard it, so I can tell it again. I was on my way to, to, to do something good. I promised this guy I'd be at his ordination service, and I'm driving my car. And the car wasn't running properly. Uh, it was overheating. It looked like it was going to overheat. 
but I gave my word to go. We would argue that that's a good thing. You gave your word, you should go. My sister-in-law at the time said, take my car. I said, no, I'm going to take my car. I was driving a Mazda 626. I wanted to drive my car. Just dumb stuff, just dumb, right? The night, the day before, I had it serviced at a local station, and they changed the radiator and all that kind of stuff. Car was still running hot. So I'm on the highway. Mind you, the Holy Ghost saying, park the car. Just park the car. Just get a ride or don't go, right? I'm ignoring that, ignoring that, ignoring that, ignoring that. I'm in the left lane on I-95, and the car explodes. I took a bath in 190 degrees of antifreeze and water. It, the, instead of the radiator releasing out, it released in. So it came through like the AC vents. I don't know how that happened. And you can imagine, the car filled up with steam. It was pouring onto my legs, pain beyond pain. I'm in the left lane, and somehow I'm in the, in the breakdown lane, and I don't know how I got there, I promise you that. I do know this, that when I stopped the car, I was rolling out onto the highway. I take my chances in the, on the highway, then deal with this pain and this burn, right? And so as I'm, and I'm laying there, my wife was flushing my legs with water because it was raining, but there were, it was raining, so there was puddles and trying, because I, listen, I wasn't on fire. The doctor said it would have been better had I had third degree burns than this because I was still very much alive in, in the lower extremities and I was in, I was in trouble. And so I'm in the hospital and I burned for five days. They kept trying to find skin and, and something that was healthy for five days. And I'm laying there saying to myself and then talking to God saying, God, I don't understand this. I'm doing the right thing on my way to do the right thing. And you let this happen. Now, this is what the Holy Ghost said to me. Not you, but he said to me. He said, I spared your life because of your wife's prayers. But you would have been spared the burns had you listened to me. How many of us could pause for a moment and look back saying, I got burned a few times and I didn't have to be burned. There are things you may need to go through, some valleys you may need to walk through while you're in the will of God, but some stuff we just resisted the Holy Ghost and then find ourselves in a mess. And then we shake our fist at God as they did in the day of Malachi and say it's vain to serve the Lord and God doesn't answer. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. God does answer. God does speak. But because the Holy Ghost is in Lord, he doesn't have access to us the way he'd like to. We doing all right? So number one, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Number two, don't quench the Holy Ghost. Number three, don't resist the Holy Ghost. Number four on my list here is don't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Mark chapter 3, verse 29. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now that's a heavy scripture. I spent a lot of money in graduate school trying to figure out that scripture. Got the school loans to pay for it, prove it. And still don't know what it means. But hear, hear, hear this. Jesus says these words. Those are the words of Jesus. And he says, you can talk about the Son of God if you want to. Talk about anything else. But don't talk about the Holy Ghost. Don't attribute 
the works of the Holy Ghost to the work of a devil. For the religious order was saying that Jesus had a devil. And Jesus says, you want to be careful with that, guys. <laughs> because I can forgive you. We can do a lot of things. But if you talk about the Holy Ghost, you can't be forgiven. Why is that? This is my, my hopefully my educated guess. It's because the only way you can even come to Christ, the only way you can know you need to repent is if the Holy Ghost brings conviction in your life. But if you keep designating the voice of the Holy Ghost to be a voice of a devil, you'll never hear the call of God that says, come, get your life right. Even in this room right now, and even people that are watching, God is dealing with your heart. And I pray it will not be your last time that God is calling you and dealing with you and trying to correct you. But if you keep saying, well, that's just Jeff's voice, that's Jeff, Pastor Dosick's friend, if you keep dismissing that, my friend, a very painful day awaits you. And I don't want that to be in your life. How many of you don't want that to be in your life, Father? Amen? So when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, that's why when you see certain things that you don't quite understand, it'd be best to kind of back up from it than to say that that's not God. Unless you got chapter and verse and more than just one, I would just stay away from certain things. Are you, are you, you're, you're hearing me right now, right? But many have blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And when you do that, you begin to sear your conscience as if it's with a hot iron. You become dead into the voice of God. There are people in this room, I know it, I know it. There are people in this room right now, and you are saying, I cannot hear God. I cannot understand God. I would submit to you that it would be good for you to take two steps back and say, God, what was the last thing you told me to do that I've ignored you on? Because I don't know about you, but as a parent, I do not like repeating myself. I'd rather tell you one time and have you do it a thousand times and have me tell you a thousand times and you not do it once. And sometimes we can't hear God's voice because we have resisted, quenched, and blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Everyone say number five. Now this gets very touchy on this one, but, but we're out here now. We might as well do it. And I'm already sleep deprived, so I might as well say what I need to say. And we can blame it on that. Number five is don't lie to the Holy Ghost. We find that in the book of Acts, do we not? Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Peter didn't say, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the bishop? He said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? With all due respect, and please receive me as your brother tonight. There are people in this room and that you are liars. You have lied to the Holy Ghost. God has told you to do something and you said, no, he didn't. You said, God, you said, God said you were going to do X, Y, and Z. And guess what happened? You haven't made any movement toward that whatsoever. The spirit of God has been dealing with you about things and you now have changed your tune because you don't want to do that. And you know, it's going to cost you something to do it. I'm telling you, that's not a good place to be. This is the only example in the New Testament that I see where, where, where money and lying to the Holy Ghost are connected. But I don't think it was really about the money as much as it was about the very fact that someone said they were going to do something and then they changed their mind. 
Instead of saying, I changed my mind about it, they lied about it. Do you see the difference? You can change your mind. That's your prerogative, right? I'm thinking about this right now. And this is, this is just, a, just a brother trying to work it out right now. There are two people, Dr. Dosik. One's not alive any longer, and one is alive. And I was reminded of him when I drove down here that promised major money to the, to the, to the ministry. Uh, one was only 40000 but he was a crook and a thief anyway, and he died. Y'all doing okay? It's Monday, so we can kind of say what we want to say. He actually put down on, on stationery, he stole it from a, an insurance company. He wrote down on stationery that he had this, this money in an account. He was trying to get close to me. That's what it was, apparently. And then when I kept asking, well, where is this money? Where is this money? All of a sudden, he disappears. Last thing I heard, he died. There was another guy who, who you know, I think he meant, he really meant well. But he came to me and said, listen, how much is the mortgage on your property? Uh, this is a number of years ago. I said it was, you know, $1.3 million or something at the time, right? And, you know, overpaid for that muffler, but it is what it is. Pray for me. And so, so, so he's going to, he said, listen, I got some properties. I'm going to sell the properties and, 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 and the, money's, the money's yours. Years. And I would go back, you know. If you promise me $1.3 million, I'm, I'm going to be in your debt regardless. And, but I'm not going to change who I am, right? right? And so he didn't want me to change who it is. But, but, but for some reason, that thing never came to pass. It would have been better for me emotionally and him spiritually, and a few others, by the way, if they had said, simply said, you know, I changed my mind. I can live with that. I really can live with that. But I can't live with, with people when they lie, because you didn't just lie to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost, if that's the deal. Are you, are you following me? Right? So what do we do with all of this here? If what I'm saying has the ring of truth to it from Scripture that it's a possibility that, that we're not where we could be or should be in the Lord because the Holy Ghost is not Lord of your life. He's in your life. He's around your life. And you might even speak with other tongues. This is what I mean by, by getting something but forgetting who he is. Oh, I, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. So you start speaking other tongues. Awesome. But what about the control in your entire life? Are you making decisions independent of the Holy Ghost? Are you living contrary to what you know God's will is for your life? Are you holding and withholding from someone something that is due them? What's the story? I don't know the story for you, but I do know this. How tragic would it be if other people's lives were wrecked or go to eternal damnation because you and I kept ignoring, quenching, grieving, resisting, and blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't that be horrible? Five people feel that way. Wouldn't that, on the side, wouldn't that be horrible, right? It would be horrible. So something I want us to do tonight, again, you don't have to do it if you don't want to do it, but something I think we ought to do tonight is we ought to check in with the Holy Ghost. We ought to, we ought to check in. Every single one of us should check in and say, and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to talk to me. 
I need to know where I am in this whole thing. I need to know, I need to know, I need, I, I need, I need to know. I need to know even when I don't know. I need to know something. Holy Spirit, show me. But again, that can't be, I can't do that for you. Dr. Dosa can't do that for you. Other pastors in this room can't do that for you. That's going to have to be something you do. We can pray with you at an altar. We can lay hands on you. But ultimately, family, unless you cry out, you're going to have more of what you have right now, and it's only going to go downhill. I'm just trying to tell you what I know, right? So let me do this. Let me encourage you to stand to your feet for a moment. Let's turn this complete place into a place where we're going to begin to, we're going to cry out to God and ask him to speak to us and to show us how the snake got into the garden. Show us where, where we can tighten that relationship up. You see, because the Holy Ghost isn't a bird, isn't a dove, isn't Casper the friendly ghost. He isn't a, he isn't a mist, he isn't a fog, he isn't water, he isn't oil. He may manifest in those ways, but he's a person. And if you ignore a person long enough, they will go silent in your life. You will hear, you will hear the faintest part only. You'll hear the whisper of Jeff Bartico. No, I want to do it my way. No, 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 park, park the car. No, there's, 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 a, there's a situation coming down the road, son, that, that if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll pray, if you'll get before me, you may not even have to see that situation that's coming down the road because it'll be interrupted and handled. The Holy Ghost is saying to some, well, well, I thought you were going to, Start that business. The Holy Ghost is trying to set you up for the rest of your life. And because you don't have but a little bit of oil, you won't start where you're at. That's the Holy Ghost talking to you as well. It's not just about bad things. It's about the things that we need to do that we're not doing. Sins of omission and sins of commission are the same. They end up with a decommission in your life. We can't afford that. Would you raise your hands with me just for a moment? I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to lead you and, and we're going to turn this just for a few moments. We're going to turn into a moment where we can begin to hear from the Lord. Is that all right? Father, the words that have come out of my mouth, that which is of, of, of you, please, I ask that you would, you would cause those things to remain in their heart and their life. But that which is not of you and not authorized by you, Father, I ask that you'd strike that from the record. But that being said, Father, I ask that you would help us, that you'd give us grace in this space in order to recapture the intimacy with you. You would enable us in this moment in time not to be one who misses you, but one rather who embraces you. God, don't let us miss it. From those that are singing and those that are playing skillfully upon instruments to those that are running cameras and those that are running lights. Father, not one living person, let them miss this moment. Holy Spirit, please, oh God, please do not let us miss this moment. 
Even the quote-unquote sinner in the room, God, don't let them miss this moment either, but deal with their hearts. I ask that you would just raise your voice up a bit and begin, if nothing else, just begin to worship him. Come on. Father, we adore you and we give you praise. Majesty, we bless your holy name. Come on, no matter what you're going through, he's still worthy of praise. Oh, he's still worthy. Father, we give you praise today. We magnify you. Come on, all over this place. God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Come on, stay here for a moment. Then we're going to do some repenting of low-hanging fruit. Then he'll go into the deeper things. Father, we give you praise today. We honor you. God, we worship you. God, we honor you and we worship you. Father, we're sorry for, for ignoring you on the earth. We're sorry for the missed opportunities, Holy One. We're sorry for these things, Holy One. We're sorry for grieving you. We're sorry for quenching you. We're sorry for resisting you. We're sorry for blaspheming you. Come on out of your own mouth. You got to do the work. We're sorry for lying to you. We're sorry for allowing our, our own will to get in the way of your will. We're sorry for debating with you and arguing with you and negotiating with you when we're treating you like our peer and you're not our peer. You are God. Forgive us, one. Forgive us, Holy One, of these things. Come on, all over this place, all over this place. We're trying to move some of the stones out of the way so that when we ask the Holy One to speak to us in our heart, there won't be these other things in the way. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, we're sorry. Come on, you want Pentecost? It starts with that. We're sorry. We're sorry for missing you. We're sorry for allowing the flame to go out. We're sorry for growing cold. We're sorry for being indifferent. We're sorry. We know it's wrong, but help us now, Holy One. Come on, we honor you. We honor you and worship you. God, we praise you and bless your name. Show us what it is today. Don't let any one of us escape this. Don't let any one of us get past this moment, God, as being, well, that's just another Monday night and another screaming guy. God, help us deal with us. Show us matters that are yet to come. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Come on, come on, come on, just for a few more moments. The very fact that, we, that we are, we're having difficulty perhaps of pushing in tells us we're not, we haven't exercised our muscles as we ought to. God, we ask you to deal with us. Come on, come on, come on. Glory to God. If you have received since you believed, why don't you start praying in that heavenly language? 
It's that, it's that, it's that opening that he'll give you. Come on, stir it up. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Rabusi kiriando robo kurabayese. Mande kiando robo kurebasi ketiando bobose. Randeriande bika doro basa keande. Onda ribosi kianda babose. Rabi kirionde rebosa. Come on for a few more moments. Come on for a few more moments. Rabuse keando. Come on, this is our moment. Even as you're praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will talk to you. Radikianda Rabasata Kayede. Mandemiata Bokandemiata Basanda. Now there are some people that need to be at this altar. The Holy Ghost has spoken specifically to you tonight about one of these five areas. You need to get out of your seat and come stand or kneel at this altar. And I would not ignore his voice at this time. I wouldn't do it if I were you. If that's you, I'd start coming. I'd start coming. I'd start coming. There it is. The Holy Ghost is dealing with you. If he's dealing with you, come. The Holy Ghost is dealing. There it is. There it is. Come on, you want genuine Pentecost? You want genuine Holy Ghost? It takes this and more. Come on, come on, come on. something you're going to be spared something because of this because of this moment 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now before Brother Jeff makes... Hallelujah. There is just... You, you may not sense it. You may not be aware of it. But there is just a mist that is just falling right now. And it's just cleansing us. It is just cleansing us. Just like when he preached that tonight. You know, Jesus washed his bride by his word. And he's cleansing and he's just bringing up freedom and he's loosening that our shackles will just slide off. Things that you have tried to get free of, they're, they're just going to, they're just falling off. It's not because all of a sudden it's a special day. No, it is because you've resigned to face Holy Ghost, forgive me. It is the spirit of grace. He's doing something for you tonight. Just because of your obedience, your humility, your brokenness, whatever it might be, he, honesty, before you and God, take the mask off and you're allowing him to show you yourself. And all of us, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have seen ourselves tonight have seen ourselves tonight. We're indebted to what we've told him we would do. We will fulfill our debts. But tonight, God is just washing us and cleansing us. Now, before Brother Jeff move, moves into a deeper place and begin to pray for people and minister in the gifts, I'm going to receive the offering. You might say, oh, this is not the time. Oh, this is the time. Because seed in the season of a visitation and of anointing, of an outpouring, will produce far more than anything else will produce. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. 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 So, if you need an offering envelope, please, there's one on the back of the pew. And we're going to receive an offering for Brother Jeff. This has certainly been a life-changing moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, God reminded me that about three months ago, he said, Son, I asked you if you would give me seven days and pray for the pastors in this area. For they desperately need a breakthrough and a visitation. You told me yes. And I did tell God yes. But it slipped my mind. It just, it just disconnected from me. Lives and churches, callings are in the balance. And God called me, would you do that? Yes, I'll do that. I'll do that, God. Well, I will do that. Hallelujah. But make sure checks payable to Only Believe Ministries Christian Center. Bible says it is he ministers to us spiritual things we minister unto him our carnal things we communicate we give we place in the hands of those that communicate us to us and touch us hallelujah this is the way of the kingdom some people say well it's it's a, no no listen to me it is a process it's a process do you understand
a systematic process. You, it's not about money. Stop. That's carnality. That money means little to God without faith and a surrender of heart because when you give, He gives you bread for your food. He multiplies your seed sown and He, not you, He, not you, He increases the fruits of your righteousness. Your giving and your sowing and your systematic obedience to God does things in your life that your religious spirit cannot do. So we're going to receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus, as you told us that if we would give into a prophet, God, we would receive a prophet's reward. God, we sow a seed tonight. What value, by what weightiness, God, this word has for our life. Oh, God, we thank you that, God, it is the weighty things of the Lord. It is, a, as it were, the deep calling unto deep God. Hallelujah. And God, we ask right now that every seed is sown tonight, God. That God, there is a harvest giving back. And let it be the harvest, God, that comes from the anointing of the individual and the labor of the call that you've placed upon their life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and please bring your offering unto the Lord. just for a few more moments if you'd like to the dealings of God hear the word of the Lord there's a birthing that's occurring because a pregnancy is happening and that as you are intimate with the Father the Holy Ghost is dropping something within the womb of your spirit and you're going to birth something new that's never been seen before. There are those, and I am talking, this is not gender-based. There are those who have, um, have labored long but have seen very little. You have cried much and have not seen the turn of those things. But this night you're entering into a new level of intimacy. And in that intimacy you're going to conceive. This will be the time, says the Lord. This will be the time, says the Lord. This will be the time, says the Lord. The Lord is dealing with some people as it relates to the marriage. And I'm going to tell you what I saw. The Holy Ghost is like water for some. And water tries to find a way in or a, an entry point in. This is a good thing, though. So the Holy Ghost is trying to bring into your marriage the answer that you need. You both are scratching your head saying, what do we do and how do we do it? Both of you have said there's been much that's occurred and much that's happened and can this be, can this be changed and can this be healed? The answer is no, it cannot be, but the Holy Ghost is going to give you something that's going to flip the thing for you, and you're going to wonder, how could this actually be? The Holy Ghost is dealing with that thing this very hour and this very moment. So the very fact that you decided to make a way and come forward, 
begin to start a process in your own heart and life. You're going to hear things and know things, and God's going to say, do this, no, do that. No, go here, don't do that. No, say this and don't say that. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourselves turning the key or the combination lock that's going to unlock the joy that you've been missing in that relationship that's coming. Come on, put your hands together. Let's celebrate Jesus for that just for a second. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, Dr. Dozik said something that really charged my spirit. He talked about a cleansing. And I kept on this side, and I kept seeing individuals who were here, and I kept seeing that very thing, that, that there's a cleansing that's happening that is so profound that you've struggled with it for so long that you think it's kind of part of who you are. The devil is a liar, and you bought that lie. But the lie has been exposed tonight. You're free from that thing that's held you bound for many years. Somebody ought to put their hands together and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you. Hallelujah. I tell this story to set this other thing up I need to share with you. A number of years ago, I was in a church in Miami, and there was a woman on the back row. And um, I saw over her head silver butter knives. It's an odd thing to see, don't you think? And I said to the Lord, what does that mean? Then I went over to the lady and said, I see silver knives above your head. And all of a sudden, this lady screams out. You see, she had been terrorized and abused as a young child with silver butter knives. She was a lady in her 30s or 40s, and that was many years ago. And because of that experience, she carried that all of her life. So her sense of value and sense of worth was not even statistically significant. But that one word released that lady. I thought that was extraordinary, don't you? I think, I, but what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. That's Miami. Then I go to St. Louis and I say to somebody, this has relevance for some people here. I'm, I, hear this, please. And the, and the lady, this was a woman, but I said, I said, somebody was left on a garbage heap and um, you were left for dead. I thought that it was symbolic or metaphorical. Turns out it was factual. And this lady comes from the left, she was from Korea, comes from the left, comes up to the front and stands in front of me and begins to tell me her story, that she was left on a garbage heap in Korea. She was a graduate student at St. Louis University. So we're talking 20 some odd years ago, she was left for dead. How many realize that, that that experience trafficked her all of her life? But it was the Holy Ghost that began to reveal and uncover. Are you hearing me? And so tonight, I believe something's happening that if we will, if we will press ourselves in, oh, way beyond what we're doing here right now, if you'll stay in that place and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to literally dictate to you adjustments and changes and revelations you're going to walk in a level of freedom that heretofore you have never known i'm telling you you're going to walk out of the prisons that have had you bound 
and locked down for decades, all of a sudden you're going to be free. You're going to worry about yourself because you're going to start feeling so much better. You're going to say something must be wrong with me because you're not used to feeling that way. There are stories in people's hearts in this room. You've not even told your spouse. You've not told another person things that have happened to you many, many, many years ago. And in this atmosphere, that thing has surfaced. That thing is right here in, in your conscious mind. You buried it, but now it's back. And you're almost a little angry that it's back. But I'm here to tell you that thing has been surfaced so it can be dug out by the root today. Any tree my father did not plant must be pulled up by the roots. Somebody ought to put their hands together and give God a shout of praise. Now listen, anytime the Spirit of God starts to draw, this has been my experience, and I, and I, I got scripture for it. He will call you in to a private place. Much work can be done in an altar, but the real deep stuff will go way past the time that we should be here tonight. It means that the next available time you can, you're going to go in a room and you're going to close the door. And even if you can't find the words to say, you're going to just sit there and allow the Spirit of God to begin to wash and begin to deal and to begin to wash those things from your life. For there are certain experiences that have been caught not in your conscious mind, but in your subconscious for the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, how much more through the blood of Christ offered by the eternal spirit, cleanse your conscience from dead works. Those things that have produced death in your life, the Holy Ghost takes the blood of Christ and begins to wash your conscience. Your conscience is a depository of information, knowledge, and experience. It's a thing that's caught there. It catches everything. Things you don't even think it caught, it caught. And the blood of Christ comes by the eternal spirit and begins to wash your conscience. So those experiences that have happened to you many, many, many years ago, that they told you you're never going to get over that, you're always going to be emotionally maimed and, 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 and hindered by that. The Holy Ghost comes and begins to take the blood of Christ and begins to wash that thing. Everyone say, he's beginning to wash me now. When you said what they said to you, hear me. When you said and repeated what they said to you, when they said you're nothing and no one, you began to believe that lie. That thing is now caught in here. When they told you that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you believe that, you say that yourself. Guess what? That got caught inside of you. When that person who's an authority figure, that, that parent, that spouse, that, 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 that official who cursed you and spoke against you, that thing got caught inside you. When someone said, well, that disease runs in your family, so it's no wonder why you got it, and you start walking around saying, well, you know, sugar runs in my family, that thing gets caught inside of you. And so you carry around this death, and you quote scripture, and you confess scripture, and you make oblations, and you do all the things that you're supposed to do, but you don't get better, you don't get relieved, you don't get peace from it. You do your best, and you don't. You know why? Because you agreed with the lie. 
You can never be set free from a lie with a lie. You can only be set free by truth. And he is a spirit of truth. So the spirit of God comes and is dealing with the things that have been dealing with you for not two years, not three years, for many, many, many years. The things for which you have said out of your mouth, and I wish, I wish we had time to hear your testimony. You have said out of your mouth, I will never forgive myself for that. You've lived way past that moment in time, but you locked that curse into your life. The Spirit of God comes to deal with that thing. Are you hearing me? You must break agreement with the things that you've agreed with that are not God's will for your life. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me, please. Oh, Lord Jesus. We're, we're, I'm about to, we're about to go, but, uh, and I'll turn it back over to Dr. Dosick. But we want to make sure everybody gets this today. So if you wouldn't mind just reaching up to heaven with a hand or two. Let me pray and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Father, thank you for this moment. The deep and the depth of work that must be done can only be done by you. Truly. At best as a counsel, we might be able to surface things, but in reality, there is no healing apart from you. No deliverance apart from you. And so these that are standing here, Father, we all have our experiences and moments and things that have marked us and scarred us. But we trust you today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to break agreement with every lie. Whether or not it applies to you specifically or not, somebody in the room it applies to. So I'm asking everybody in the room and those that are watching to participate in this, all right? Come on, say, Father, today I side with truth. Your word is truth. Your Holy Ghost brings truth. So I agree with truth today. I break agreement with the lie that says I'm going to die before my time. I break agreement with the lie that says I'll never get over that. I break agreement with the lie that says because it runs in my family, I have to have it too. I break agreement with that. I say what you say. I agree with you. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I declare I am who you say I am. I can do what you say I can do. I can have what you say I can have. And so this day, I agree with you. Holy Ghost, you are the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together. Let's celebrate Jesus. God. This is a book that I told Brother Jeff to write, and uh, he's wrote more than this, but uh, because of 
his writing books. Now he has, uh, I think it's State Farm, uh, has him do uh, conference calls to their leaders. And uh, so he's making money and I haven't seen a penny of it. But uh, this book is Knowing Your Why. Knowing Your Why. I encourage you to get it. he looks better in the picture than he does in person, but this is a, a great book. I believe that it will help you. And so I just encourage you to go tonight. Whatever lines you have drawn, refuse to cross them. Do not cross them. Don't back down from them. Stand firm. And just know that you have started a process, a process that you're going to begin to transform out of where those things have kept you. Those things, those prisons, those bondages, those disheartening things that destroy our faith, destroy our relationship with God, destroy our prayer life, our approach to God. These are the things that hide themselves in the consciousness of man, that when you get set free of them, You'll have a fullness and a boldness of faith because of your conscience. Hallelujah. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we're going to have Brother Bill Winston with us. And uh, I know you'll be blessed. Invite somebody. And I'll tell you what, I I just believe that it's just building night after night. And uh, the presence of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we will see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. God bless.